see everybody. Blessings to all of you. If you're new here, if you haven't already had a chance to do this on your way in, we've got a little station out there. We have a gift for you. Just let us know that you're here with us. Also, for some of you who want to know how to get more involved, how to get a little bit of better idea of what our community is, how it works, and just, again, how to get connected and how to be part of it, we have what's called the journey. We do this, um, you know, at different times throughout the year. We actually just started one up, and you're welcome to jump into that. You can actually do that next week. If you just let us know online, and again, it's a wonderful way to get get involved in the journey of faith that we're all making together as a church, and I want the Lord's blessing over our time, so um, I'm going to go ahead and, and just pray over what we're about to share together. You just pray with me. But even now, Lord, we just come before you, and uh, we're very open to your goodness and your grace and the love that you have for us, and I thank you for that. I thank you for the way in which you work in us and around us, and perhaps some of us uh, came here. Uh, maybe we came here with, a, with some things that we're having to work through. You know, I don't ever want to forget that life is complicated and sometimes our greatest struggle are with some things that are going on, maybe even inside of us. Maybe we're feeling a lot of stress or a tremendous amount of anxiety right now. And it's connected. It could be connected to things at work. It could be connected to things in, in our home. It could be connected to stuff of our past that just seems to be trying to creep up. Lord, and we... I just, you know, again, I pray for the wisdom and the goodness and the power of the living Jesus to flow among us, Lord. You can, you can meet us. Just the things that we sing about, we really believe them. Like you can come into the places of our lives and the spaces of our lives, and by working your grace, you can make us better than what it would ever have been without you. So God, we just want to be open to you. I just ask for a spirit of openness. If there's any, you know, reluctance to just to be open, let us come like a child before you. Um, to receive, you know, as best as we can. That's what you invited us to do, to drop our pride, to drop our guard, to be open to your words for us. So you know what we need. And even, even as we head back into the, into the real world and the, the turn of the day tomorrow, as we enter into the new week and the rest of this day, I just pray that the time that we're investing right now to really honoring you, the one in the seven, where we really take a moment to come together and to remember who you are, what it means to love you, and to grow in your reality. I just, I just pray for that blessing to flow. I really do. Peace of mind over all who are troubled. The joy of the Lord to flow like a gift. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen, God, and amen over all of us. I want to also welcome all of you who are joining us right now on the live stream. Blessings to you, wherever you may be, different parts of the world, you know, the country. I know some of you have moved away, and we love you and appreciate you. But I also want to say hello to all of you at Reardon right now. At the Reardon camp is just about 12 minutes or so away from where we are. Uh, I love you guys. I hope you had a great time listening to Chris tell you all the different things that are happening and having Odalis and the worship team lead you. What a blessing that was as well. I'm looking forward to being with you, as was already mentioned, uh, next week when I uh, meet with you in, in the gym, and we will share that time together. So blessings upon all of you. You're part of what we're doing right now. 
So again, something I also want to make everybody aware of, and thank you for that. Some of you may not know, but we have a, another campus that's going on simultaneously with this one right across on the other side of the city, our Reardon campus that we just launched less than a year ago. And so we're all together. We just feel like we're in an extension, a room, an extended room together. But uh, I have a very exciting thing that we're, we're planning. It's called Tightrope Talks. I wanted you to be aware of it, both campuses, both places, to be aware of this. Very excited about it. Tightrope Talks is about really our, our exploration of how to apply our faith into the real world of the marketplace. So what we've done is we've tailored an experience that we're just going to try and do as a service to those who are part of our community and those who just want to come. If you are involved, if you work as a manager, you're a leader in any way, you may oversee a team, um, you may be in groom for a point of leadership, you may have your own business, you may be a small business owner, you may have a little business on the side that you started on the internet. Well, it doesn't matter. Any, anything that relates to the idea of workplace and the unique tension that comes around faith, how to apply our faith with the unique dynamics of the culture as they presently exist, and also how to prosper, how to apply the Lord's principles, how to learn and grow and understand. The plan is that, and again, this is something that all you need to do is register for. We're going to be doing it two weeks from now. That will be again on November 17th. It'll be 6 p.m., the Mission Campus. What we're, going to, what we're going to do is I'm going to share a biblical concept directly connected to the workplace. And then afterwards, we're going to have a, a question and answer time, a little discussion time with myself and one of uh, a good friend of mine and a, part of, a member of our community, Rusty Roof. Rusty's got an amazing array of business experience, and he actually is an expert in work, faith uh, kind of applications. And so one of the things he's done, whether he was when he was as a vice president at PepsiCo, or just leading the Grammy Foundation, or his involvement as, as the technology officer, even in the Obama campaign. Rusty's been serving here as part of our children's ministry, and uh, he's a close friend of mine, and I really feel there's a lot of wisdom to glean. So part of what our goal is, is that we want to encourage those of you who find yourself in positions of responsibility and want to know how to take the faith that we are reinforcing every time we come together on a Sunday in our midweek groups, and then learn how to apply that into the marketplace with wisdom, because the environment is a little challenging right now, in case some of us haven't noticed. And uh, we need the wisdom of the Lord. And unfortunately, the Bible has a tremendous amount of things to say about how to live our lives of faith and love in Christ out, even sometimes in an environment that doesn't quite understand who he is and what it is we're really trying to do. And again, it's perfectly connected to where I want to take us this morning, because the message is focused on breaking barriers, but really it has to do with this idea of divine appointments. And I want to talk about how when you follow Jesus, you're signing up for a grand adventure of faith. It was never meant to be static or boring. It was meant to be a life of adventure um, where we see things and experience things that wouldn't have been possible if the Lord wasn't at work in our life. In other words, I'm making the case that it's not bland and it's not boring. It's far, far and it's almost the polar opposite of that. When we follow the Lord, every season has a seed of possibility in it and a potential for an exchange that we didn't see coming and wouldn't have envisioned, that God does something miraculous through and in our lives, that we are essentially opening ourselves up to something wonderful and beautiful. The way of the Lord is like a garden with beautiful things in it. It's, the kingdom, it's like a treasure chest full of things, new and old. When we open ourselves up to the Lord, 
We are, we're signing up, and I've told, I tell this to my, I've told to my kids, I've told it to all those who we've trained over the years as leaders in this church, anyone who would follow the Lord. When we sign on to follow Jesus, we're signing up for a life of growth. And the promise is this, that if we apply ourselves as Jesus reminded us to do so, not only would we have a friend who would walk with us through our entire life, through this life and into the next, but we would have a wisdom and an access to a power that allows us to live far more abundantly than we ever could have without him. So it's not about just getting to heaven. It's about learning how to live well on earth. That's going to affect our relationships. That's going to affect how we work through our own issues. And that's going to affect how we talk about him to other people. We're about getting better and making our faith real. Every one of us, this could be a season of amazing growth. And I wouldn't doubt the fact that it's very possible the next few weeks, we're going to have an opportunity for a divine appointment. I'm going to talk about that right now. So going back to where we were, I want us to, now, the passage we've been exploring is in Acts 10, and it has to do with this interaction between Peter and a Roman centurion named Cornelius. We covered a lot of ground of scripture last week, and so rather than resetting it, I don't want to assume everybody knows about what we're about to read, and I don't even want to assume that everyone was here, but at the same time, I I don't want to just like, um, you know, get so focused on on reestablishing some things that we missed where we were supposed to go. So I want to read through this passage. Work with me, walk with me. If you have your Bible, you can follow along, but I'm going to have them scroll the first part of Acts 10, and again, we'll reconnect here. So it says in verse 1, in Caesarea, there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius, and he was a captain of the Italian regiment. We talked about that, what that meant to be a Roman centurion. He was, but he wasn't just a, a Roman centurion. He was actually a, a man who believed in God, the God of Israel. He had come to a faith in the God of Israel. We're told here he was devout. He was a God-fearing man that he, as, as was everyone in his household, and he gave, on top of that, generously to the poor, and he prayed regularly to God. He was very committed in his faith. And one afternoon, we're told, about 3 o'clock, he had this vision. And in this vision, kind of like a dream, but a vision, he saw an angel of God coming towards him, and, the, and it spoke to him. Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in terror, we're told. What is it? He asked. And the angel replied, your prayers and the gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. We talked about stacking our prayers and the power of a memorial in our prayers. Now send some men. to. Then he was given a very specific instruction. Look at that. Send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with another man named Simon who's actually a tanner who lives near the seashore. Remember we talked about what a tanner was. Someone who worked with dead animal skins, and turned them into leather. It was a very uh, messy profession. And the fact that they, in the Jewish day, if they worked with dead animals, scraping, they had to scrape the fat off with solutions and the skin and such, that they were considered unclean people. So although you could make a living, you had to make it on the outskirts of the town, and you were pretty much stigmatized. It was a sociological kind of stigma attached to being a tanner. That's going to come into play here. Send some men to Joppa. Summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. And as soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called in two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. So two servants of the house, one soldier who was loyal to him, his personal attendant. And he told them what had happened. I had this dream. I was praying. You know how I pray. And as I was praying, I had this vision. And this vision was so clear to me. In this vision, I was told 
that I was to send for a man named Simon that down in Joppa and ask him, and, and then he would show me what to do next. Now, again, I want us to see the context of what we're talking about, what we just read there. This happened in a real place, in real time, and you can go there today. We, many of us just did last year. It was actually a year ago in November that a good group of our church went, and we, we spent some time in Israel. Caesarea, Caesarea Maritima is the place where Cornelius was. You can go there today. It's a national park in Israel. The ruins of the city are still there. It sits beautifully right off the coast of the Mediterranean. It was a city that Herod had built. At the time, it was splendid. But right now, you can go there and you can experience it. There's a beautiful amphitheater. We show some shots about that. But if you go down south, you see that place called Joppa. Today, they call it Jaffa, right? You can go there today. It's not that far down. When you get, but I have a, there's a shot of it. I want to show you a shot of what that looks like today, give you a sense of the kind of the feel of it, how beautiful that is. It almost kind of has a, almost feels like almost a little bit like a Venice, but there's obviously not with the inlets of water, but you can see the beauty of the Mediterranean. I want that image in our mind. Peter is in, you can go there. To, that's what, there's it, it, a beauty to it. I imagine in Peter's day, there were people fishing and, and so there were people with sails and working the waters, sometimes ships coming into the harbor. It was a town not far from the big Caesarea Maritima, but it was, it was a place where Simon was staying. And I have no doubt in my mind that he was in a house where he could climb up, we're told, onto a roof. And I, I think that roof faced out looking at the beautiful Mediterranean, as all those houses still do. On the, on the roof of the house probably would have been like a bit of a canopy. Someone could go there. It's like an extra room in the day, covering them from the heat of the sun. If it was 12 noon, that sun would have been coming down hard. But, but Peter went to pray, as was his custom. So we're being given two pictures here, right? One side, we're being told what's going on with this Roman centurion named Cornelius, who, when he's praying, is given this vision to go send for a man named Simon who's staying with another man named Simon, a tanner in Joppa. And then there's Peter. Now the Bible switches the account back over to Peter. Watch what happens. We'll just follow along. It says, the next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. There it is. Let that image in our mind. It's about noontime. He's hungry. Maybe they're preparing some lunch down below. But while the meal is being prepared, he falls into this kind of sleep. He's tired. It's warm. He's hungry. But he starts to fall into what's kind of like a, a semi-sleep state. That's the way we would describe it. And, in this, and as that's happening, he starts to see something. Another kind of vision, dream occurs. And he's, we, when we talked about it last week, about what it would have been like for him as he's praying in this moment, getting tired, and all of a sudden he has this dream. And in this dream, he sees this giant sheet. Again, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, the canopy was in his mind. And now it's this massive canopy coming down from the sky, being lowered down by four ropes on the four corners. And in this canopy, in his dream, in this vision that he's seeing, it's filled with all kinds of animals, all kinds of different reptiles and, and different kinds of, of creatures all together in this giant kind of gathering on the sheet. And then he hears this voice as he's seeing this image. And the image was disturbing to him. And I'll tell you why in a moment. Some of us remember why. Because as he's looking at all these animals and creatures and insects and reptiles and things, some things I don't think he's ever seen, a voice comes to him, Peter, rise up, slay and eat. And, in the, and then he, he speaks back to that voice, no, Lord. So he recognizes it's God, but he resists and he says, no, 
Look at this. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. The law of Moses forbids that. I will not. No, Lord. And when he says, I have never, he meant it. And we're told here that the boy spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And the same vision was repeated three times. He opens it, comes back down, rise, slay, and eat. No, Lord, I will not do that. I don't do that. Do not call it, do not call what I've made clean. Un, don't call it unclean. Three times it happens. And we know, you know what else we know? While Peter is, while, check the, while this vision is happening, he's, I imagine he's praying. And while he's praying and he's having this vision, simultaneously, at the very moment, the three, the, the, the three men, right? That's what we're, we're told here. That they are making their way to find him. Remember, Cornelius sent out his, his three men to go get Simon, who's staying at the house of Simon the Tanner. He doesn't know who he is. Those, while Peter is having his vision, those men are walking through the streets trying to find out where's the house of Simon the Tanner. They walk through the street. They find their place. They find, as they are arriving, Peter is, that vision is finishing in Peter's mind. It's all happening at once. They have been sent. That he had been given that vision. And one of the things that's become apparent to me, and it's something that I'm just going to say it right out. In fact, for those of us who are taking notes and who like to do that because we like to re-engage it during the week and pray over it and consider it, because I remember I'm a big believer in whatever we want to retain, we need to note it, write it down as much as possible. And so I want to put some, a couple of things up. They're just for us to be aware of and to revisit concepts, principles of wisdom from the scripture. One of the things we need to understand is that when God works, listen, he often works on both ends. And he sets up what, what we like to call, or what I do at least, divine appointments. Moments of exchange where, <laughs> and, that, and that really should encourage us. And remember, what's happening here? God's preparing two men, two people, who in many ways, Peter and Cornelius are representative of two different people groups. Peter represents a believing, a believing Jew. The early church was all Jewish. Now they had decided to erase the sociological barriers just by fact that Peter is staying with the tanner is telling us something because a practicing, a, a, a strict practice, practitioner of the law would not have stayed in the house of Simon the tanner. He was an unclean man because he dealt with unclean things. Probably the only thing worse than, or at least one of the few things that would have been considered more unclean than a man who worked with dead animals would have been a Roman. Because Romans were Gentiles and they worshiped false gods. They ate things that were regularly unclean. And even more than that, they were occupiers of the land of the Lord and oppressors of the Jewish people. Jews and Gentiles had no deep fellowship. Even if they were your friend, there was a barrier. That's important to remember. God's working on two people. Cornelius, a Gentile. Peter, a Jewish believer. Both were being prepared for a point of expansion. Listen to me. There are times when the Lord will prepare you and me but I'm talking to us individually. There are times where he will prepare you for a season of expansion. 
like a, a moment where he's opening something up in a way that it hasn't been before at a spiritual level. And it can show up in our relationships. It shows up in who we are. But these both are being prepared for a moment of expansion. And, and Cornelius is, gonna, is going to hear about, the, for the first time ever, as a Gentile, he is going to hear about the message of Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua, the one who is the fulfillment of all that was promised in the scriptures. The fulfillment of the promise that was given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that God called and said, I'll make out of you a great people. And out of that great people will come a savior. And that promise was worked through Moses. And as the people of the descendants of Israel grew into a nation, right? That promise came of a Messiah, a redeemer, not just for the Jewish people, but for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But, people, but Peter didn't see that yet. He saw it pretty much through the lens of a committed Jewish man who had allowed the Lord to tenderize his heart because he believed in Jesus, but he believed he was primarily for the Jewish people. If a Gentile was going to come into the way of Jesus, he had to come in the way all Gentiles came into the Jewish faith. He had to get circumcised, right? And he had to change his culture. But God was about to shift his perspective and break through that barrier. And God was about to also do something in Cornelius. Both of them were being worked on simultaneously for a place of expansion in their life with God. And, well, and so we see, we see God's method, right? Working on one man's heart to prepare him to receive and working on the other to prepare him to give. By the way, I'll put this up. God still works that way today. And we should not be surprised or amazed because... Every day with the Lord, I kind of remind myself of this, is a, it's, it's a, it's a potential adventure in the kingdom of God, a potential miracle. And we don't know when we rise up that day, when we have that cup of coffee or that cup of tea, when we make our way and get to work or whatever else we're doing, school, whatever venture we're committing ourselves to, the conversations we have, traveling, or the, 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 the lack of conversations that are going, we just don't know how God is going to show up in this day in a conversation that we couldn't have anticipated, nor were expecting, a gesture, a glance, a word exchange, something happens, and we walk back from it, and we go, wow, God was in that. His people, I believe the Lord has people. He's actually designed to cross our path, especially if we're starting our day by saying, Lord, I'm open to you. That's why a lot of us, we've been doing the rise and shines together. That rise and shine 90 second, 90 100 second video vlog that we send out six days a week is just designed to reconnect us in the morning to what we've shared on the, on the Sunday and to remind us to start our day together in Christ. And I'm convinced that the Lord has people that he's prepared to bring across our path so that we might share with them in some way the goodness of Jesus. It might simply be an invitation to come to church or it might be something about our faith in the Lord and what he's done in our lives. It might just be a simple phrase that we utter or a prayer, listen, that we pray over a meal or a prayer we have with somebody else and we treat it as naturally as a conversation we're having in a public place. Not extravagant, but honest. It's a practice I do with a few people regularly. And it's just because I don't want to be ashamed of the Lord. And it's my own way of shining a light in a very subtle and honest and beautiful way. I'm not trying to bother anyone, just trying to be open about my love for him. And there are times where we'll, we'll, we'll come out of an interaction with someone and we'll go, wow, the Lord, man, he wanted me to share something. Sometimes I come out of conversations where 
I was thinking I was the one that was going to share. By the time I was done, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me out of that conversation. I got encouraged. Right? I, her name was Karen. It was almost 25 years ago. I was... Those of you who are at Reardon will really know what I'm talking about. I was sitting on a bench on West Portal. I had just done what I'd like to do in those days. It was, almost, it was almost 25 years ago. That would have meant our youngest daughter was born. That was our youngest child would have been born around that time. Uh, we were tired all the time. We had four kids, and they were all little. And I would look forward to being able to get out of the house. <laughs> and... Uh, I see my day off, I would go and, and I would like to get, a, in those days, we didn't have as many coffee houses in the city. There was no, there weren't a lot of roasteries. They were just a very small selection. Um, and I remember one of them was Pete's on West Portal, still there, actually. Um, I, first time I ever had coffee, this is like a total DV. I'm like literally t- walking, I am walking down a path here. The first time I ever had coffee was actually at church because I was getting up at five o'clock to meet people here. And someone said, we got to go to, Mo- have you ever had coffee? I said, no, I've never had coffee. You've got to come with me to Muddy Waters. And so I went over here to Muddy Waters on Valencia Street. First time I ever had coffee. Um, I was jittering the entire day. I, had, I, I never knew what it was like. Now I knew, found out why it was called Muddy Waters. And I was like pouring in the cream. But anyway, the thing about it was, on that, on that Saturday, I, I, that day I went to go and, and just get away. And I wanted to get a cup of coffee. I got up early. And it, was, it was a sunny day. I can remember it kind of in my mind's eye. And I, I had brought mail with me. Now in those days... There was no electronic bill pay and stuff like that. I brought all my mail with me, and I was just going through all this. I had like a pile of it. I was going through the mail. I, was, I found a bench. The bench is actually still there. If you, okay. The, <laughs> <laughs> it's a concrete bench, kind of, and it's, it's literally across, uh, literally stands right adjacent to a bank that's on the corner that's right across the street from uh, the, actually, a Starbucks is there now, and there's a bank. It's a Chase Bank, and there's a, a concrete table there. Arch, it's like a seat area. You, that bank wasn't Chase back then. It was called Washington Mutual, and then everybody's going, what was that? What is that? I know, but it was a bank. It once existed, and it was there. And I remember because I remember this vividly in my mind because I'm opening my, I'm just there. I don't want to be bothered by anybody. I'm not interested in talking to anybody. I talked to a lot of people. I wasn't interested in talking to anybody. I just wanted to be alone, and I wanted to open my mail, and I wanted to enjoy my coffee. And it was sunny, and I was happy, and things were good. <laughs> and I started sitting there, and I remember I was opening it up, and I'm looking at one of them, and I opened it up, and it was like, a, it was like something about a seminar from a, a, a Christian kind of motivational speaker. But I was going, oh, you know, I'm looking at it. And this lady walks by and says, oh, I know him. And I said, you do? So we're t- all of a sudden, we're saying, yeah, she goes, yeah, I went to hear him. I really like him. Da-da-da-da-da-da. I go, oh, you know what? I'm-. She goes, are you going? I go, well, I wasn't necessarily going. I was just looking at it in the mail. So I have this conversation. I said, well, yeah, hey, are you, a, are, you, are you a follower of Jesus? She says, no, no. Um, I said, well, what are you? I mean, wh- wh- what's the connection here? She goes, oh, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm spiritual, and I'm, I'm really trying to get my life, to- I'm, I'm trying to get my life together. And I said, oh, wow. Hey, so I ended up talking to her a little bit about Jesus. By the time we're done, I mean, she's, she's kind of got a little bit tears in her eyes. Not, not, not crying, just like I could tell there's certain things were hitting. And, and before long, I go, I go, hey, listen, if you're not doing anything, I go, I'd love to invite you to come to, to a church. I go, I go to church on Sundays, and uh, it's called Cornerstone. I'd love for you to come. 
right? She goes, you know, maybe I will. So that, I walked away, I go, wow, that was, that was pretty cool. You know, all of a sudden, I felt pretty good about that conversation. And, and just kind of like, I, didn't, I can't even remember exactly how it ended. It might have had a quick prayer. I don't remember. I just remember inviting her to church, and I know I didn't tell her anything about what I did at all. I just said, I have this great church I'd love for you to come to and check it out. It's in the mission, right, at the time. So next week, nothing. I didn't see her. And so I go, ah, you know, I just kind of forgot about it. Two weeks later, I'm actually, I was right here. <laughs> right here. I was right here. And I remember, I think, I think we had two services then. I remember looking in the back. Now, I can't see so much. I know you don't realize it, but there's a the light shining in my eyes as we're talking here. But I can see more than you realize. Actually, I shouldn't tell you that right now. It's true. It's true. It's true. Wake up, right? I know I've seen that a couple of times. Put that phone away. I see you. Okay. And, and I remember because I was sitting up here and I, I, was, I was just sharing and, and I was, you know, I was scanning. And then all of a sudden, I, I see this person. At first, I didn't know who it was. I just see this woman, and I can, I can tell there's tears flowing down her eyes. I can see it. And I see her wiping them, and her head is down. She's crying. I go, that looks like the, and, uh, I'm teaching, but then at the same time in my head, I'm going, that's the lady, right? That's Karen. <laughs> <laughs> and it ended up, and I have no idea. I, I, as the years have gone by, you know, Karen eventually moved with Tom. But here's the thing. Her last name was Kotal. Hope it's okay that I share that, if you actually ever hear this. <laughs> but that became part of the Lord, because what happened was she ended up giving her life to the Lord. She ended up getting baptized. She brought her boyfriend. And they ended up deciding to commit their lives together to the Lord, and they got married. It was it, it, many years faithful here, very faithful, wonderful, lovely couple. I never forgot that moment, because for me, I don't get a lot of them, but every now and then, I walk away going, wow, that was a divine appointment. I wasn't looking for anything. I was only opening my mail. <laughs> Think about that. I am not wanting to be bothered on top of it. <laughs> and then the Lord brought a woman named Karen whose heart was open and ready. And she asked a question that opened up a door that led to a conversation and then an invitation. And then she came in and the presence of the Lord hit her in a way that no words could have ever done. And when she came out of that moment, she was different a little bit. Her heart got opened. She started opening herself up to the healing of Christ. And God did. It's not an exaggeration to say he did a wonderful thing. And many of you have similar experiences that you can relate to. I'm talking about those divine appointments that mean so much. All right? Here. And on top of that, though, there's something else going on here. And I want to point it out. Not only is there a power in divine appointments, there's also a power in prayer and in yearning for more. I call that spiritual hunger. Jesus said, if you, you ask, it will be given. If you, if you seek, you'll find. If you knock, Jesus said, the door will open. It will. God's not turning us away. Blessed are you, Jesus said, who hunger and thirst for what is right. You, you will be filled. You will be filled. Both of these two were praying, reflective. They were spiritually hungry and open. When we're praying and we're spiritually reflective and we're open, um, you know, 
Cornelius has been seeking God for more. He had a hunger, a hunger for clarity, for direction. Peter's been praying. Perhaps he's wondering as he's gazing over the ink blue Mediterranean waters. He's wondering maybe as he's praying, what do you want me to do next, God? The man of the sea loved the sea, by the way. He was a man of the water. I'm a man of land. He was a man of the water. His occupation, his love, the smell, the Sea of Galilee, that was his home. And to look at the waters of the Mediterranean and to watch the boats sailing and the fishes and the nets being taken, it reminded him as he looked down over that horizon of what he did not know. What is it that you're trying to say? You know, when we walk a long time, sometimes when we watch a sunset or we walk along, I was with my wife, um, I think it was Friday evening. I took a walk along the coast, just walked and the sun was setting, and I, I, it was beautiful, beautiful. And I go, I'm not even a man of the sea, and I love, the, I love watching the sunset on, on the waters. And you know what? It invites us into long thoughts about life. It's beautiful. And for me, I often look at the setting of the sun like, my, like a span of life. And there's a time, to everything there's a time, when the sun rises and the sun also sets. What am I going to do with that time? That's a whole other story. And I've used up so much of my time right now. <laughs> so verse 17, in your handout, I'm going to move it through fairly rapidly. Now Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, this is in your handout, by Cornelius having made inquiry of, at Simon's house, they stood at the gate. So they, as this dream happens, Peter's not sure what it means. It doesn't make sense. It's crazy. Actually, it scares him. It not only offends him, it scares him. What are you trying to say to me, God? While he's processing through what he has just seen and this internal conversation, this horrifying picture, while that's happening, all of a sudden he's thinking about it, pondering it, and then all of a sudden there's this knock, hello, hello. And then there's probably a voice that yells up, Peter, there are some men here to see you. They say they've come, they know your name, they've come to see you. Peter's thinking, I don't have an appointment with anybody. Who are they? But then... Right? Look what it says. And when Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. As he's thinking about what he just experienced, he says, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise up, get up, go down, and go with them where they ask without hesitation. Go. You do what they ask. For I have, listen to that, for I have sent them. The Spirit spoke to him as he mused on his experience. Listen to me real quick here, you guys. Let us be open to the promptings of the Lord for when the Spirit of God is speaking to us. The impression of the Lord, I'm talking about a voice on the inside that stirs our heart and stops us in our tracks or causes us to notice and consider what we would have otherwise passed by. Blessed are the open. The one who has ears to hear, Jesus said, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. I'm not trying to over-spiritualize right now, but I do believe God still speaks. And the Spirit utters, and though we must use wisdom and caution and put things through the prism of the Scripture and the teaching of Jesus, we must also take into account our tendency to discount what cannot be totally understood uh, or captured by sheer logic. That the way of the Spirit is as real as the wind, Jesus said. You cannot see it, but you can feel its effects. 
And here's the thing, and I'll stick this up right behind it. There are going to be times when we will wonder if our vision, our impression is from God. But when that happens, wait for further, further clarification. For if he is in it, confirmation will come. Do we think God is speaking? Are we perplexed by what we have experienced? Fear not, three men will come knocking at the door. Now, I don't mean that literally. But in other words, it will unfold like a story being told. And we will know God is in this. God is in this. The voice will whisper to us. We will hear it. Do not be afraid. I'm in this. Watch what I'm about to do. There are moments, I know, it's going to sound a little crazy. Maybe. But there are moments where I feel like the Lord will speak a word and will say, watch what I'm about to do. Are you ready? And then note the phrase, rise up and go down. Earlier in his vision, God had told Peter, rise up and eat. He said, no, Lord, it shall not be so. So I'll leave it. I'll put this up as well. There is a time to rise up. There is a time to be still and there is a time to rise up. Some of us, we need to be more still. I don't, what time is it for, for us? Time for being still or time for rising up? If we rise up, do it without hesitation. In other words, there's a time to pull back and to create space to listen for God, especially, I think, in this culture of ours where there is so much noise. We're all wired up. Even when we're on our downtime, we're not on downtime. You have to be disciplined to be on true downtime. Really, it's hard. So many voices, so many things to see, so many stories being, so much noise, noise, noise everywhere. Create the space to hear from the Lord, yes. To think long thoughts and to, and to breathe deeply into the grace of God, yes. It requires pulling out of the pace of culture. The principle of Sabbath applies. What time is it? Is it a time to pull back and listen for the Lord and listen to our life? Or is it a time to act on a word that he is giving to us? If so, do not hesitate, for the time is now. There is a time that's different than other times. There is a time that says, and this is one of the mysterious verses in the scripture, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal, talking about Jesus. And I've always thought, what in the world is that? The power of the Lord was present, implying that that wasn't always going to be the case. It was a unique moment in time. If, if it was entered into, it would produce a result. What time is it? Peter, verse 21, and we'll finish here. And Peter went down to the man and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, the people that he knows, you can check it out for yourself, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house. He's up there in Caesarea Maritima and to hear what you have to say. That's what we're here for. We were here because God told him that you're going to tell us what it is we're supposed to do next. And Peter invited them in to be his guests. Do, okay, that 23rd verse, it looks like, oh, that's a nothing verse. That was not a nothing verse. We're going to look at it next week. That, that was huge. They were Gentiles. And that was a Roman. Please come in. That doesn't happen. Do we understand what's going on here? Do you see the miracle already in play? 
and how much actually it does relate to our culture right now where there is so much divisiveness, anger, division, separation. Everybody's taking a side. And watch what happens as Peter says, come in. Now look what's going on. You've got a Roman soldier, Gentiles, a Jewish believer in Jesus, Peter, and a tanner who's an outcast with a stigma, all together in the same house. And the following day, we're told, the next day he rose and went with them, went, went, went away with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied. Now you have this amazing group. It's going to change the world. People, these people should not have been together. They were different. Gentiles and Jews don't do this. You don't hang around in a, at the house of a tanner to boot all together in the larger umbrella of Christ Jesus, the great unifier. Bigger than our differences, a love for Christ. And then, so I'll, I just, I'll stop here. <laughs> I'll stop here. Lord, I ask that you would take what we've shared, let it be alive for us. Now, I don't know. Some of us are being called into a season of pulling back to create space to hear your words. Some of us are being called into a season of activating our faith and putting it into play acting on the word we sense you're giving us. Some of us are being called into a new chapter of the adventure of faith. We're to be much more open and much more ready, prepared for the divine appointments you send our way. And then at that moment, be ready to have those conversations and to make the invites and to create the openness of dialogue because God, you are about sending people across our path. If we love you, you love people, then that's just gonna happen. Walking in your way, we wanna be open to it. Some of us have been directly affected by other people who had room for us and that became the trail of the twine of faith that led us to you. So I just pray for your grace to override us. I ask you to be with us in this closing song, this closing minute. Let your grace flow. Let it be a good ending to everything that we've shared. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen and amen. <laughs>